You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Hello and welcome to Elseries, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague and joining me is Corey Scott. And real quick, before we get started, for all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsenerds.com. And for all, their, for all other Galactic Network programs, go to gncast.com. And as a warning on Elseners, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. Corey, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Gregor? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, <laughs> do you ever know if I'm gonna like do the interruption of of like that last line before you get to introduce me? If I I throw in some random thing of like it, it's kind of like this thing, only it's really fucked up, and I do something well, self depreciating to the show. Honestly, you haven't done those in a while, so I sort of just sort of forgotten. No, about I did them. it last week, but you don't pay attention, and and it 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 doesn't matter. Oh no, but no, 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 yeah, yeah, I remember that. But I'm talking about like the ones where you're like, yeah, so we 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 did the excuse of like we would have done it here, but and you insert a news thing. Yeah, uh, else nerds is like the P tape. No one's really sure if it exists, and <laughs> nobody's seen it. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I've been doing good. I mean, I saw a lot of th- stuff. I did, um, you know, watch the wrestling stuff. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow on the Else Nerds channel um, because we had the big WrestleMania, and that was the whole weekend thing was awesome. But I don't know. I'll leave it at that. Let's jump right into the news. Speaking of wrestling, which is on USA Network, which has ordered four pilots, um, it has done just that. All of them from the Universal Cable Productions, um, which is basically like saying, like just one guy yelling out the door, give us some ideas. That's basically what it is. It's like, you know, same company. Um, There's the first one has the big thing with this is uh, actually on two folds. It is set in the Jason Bourne universe and it has uh, the hero's creator, Tim Kring, which I may have lost some people there, but. He, he had great ideas. They just didn't get executed, um, mainly, in my opinion, because of the writer strike that happened. Um, I know, because when the writers came back, the show didn't get better. <laughs> Let, let's just face facts. Heroes yeah, yeah. had a really good first season up until the last episode and never recovered. And then they even brought it back years later, and it just was the same dumb shit. It, it yeah. was a hot mess. It was a hot mess because it's like, oh, we'll do superheroes for TV, but we'll do it right. And we'll we'll not fuck up in the way the comic books do, it was, it, which is weird because they had some people from comic books actually work on the show. Uh, <laughs> and they just had no fucking clue how to tell a story. Yeah, It's just you wait a few episodes to find powers and like, oh, cool powers and oh, cool this. And, and Hero himself is a neat guy. And I, I like his story a little bit, but you have no place to take it. And in the end, it's all just fucking stupid shit that that didn't matter. None of yeah. it mattered. It's like let's give every fucking power to Peter Petrelli and and every other power to fucking Skyler and and whoops, you know, like we don't understand why there's no tension in this anymore uh, because <laughs> it's all bullshit. Yeah. Um. Hopefully this isn't bullshit. Did you na- no. name the show? Yeah. No, I didn't. 
So the show is going to be called Treadstone, and it's um, like I said, it's about tires. Yes, exactly. No, it's set in it's Treadstone is the Black Ops, um, covert operation thing that this universe takes place into, um, and the big thing is. Um, you know, it's it's a. Actually, I'll read it right directly from here. It's a covert operation that uses behavior modification protocol to turn its agents into nearly unstoppable superhuman assassins. Isn't that how they're using Facebook right now? That's how Cambridge Analytica is using it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, as opposed to assassins turning them into Zynga players that annoyingly with their fucking memes every day. Yeah. Um, the big part of this is Jason Bourne. You know, the center of the Bourne franchise was a product of this program um the series follows new sleeper agents all across the globe as they've mysteriously awakened um and, and as i said tim kring is going to serve uh come is on uh serving as a writer and executive producer uh ramin bell baharani will direct the pilot and also serve as an executive producer uh ben smith and jeffrey weiner will executive produce on behalf of captivate and uh, Justin Levy will executive produce alongside Bradley Thompson or Bradley Thomas for Imperative Entertainment. Um, all in all, that sounds like really cool. Um, it, it's now it says Jason Bourne is one of the the Treadstone success programs. I assume Jeremy Renner was uh, was not as successful, <laughs> but but did he was part of that too, right? And so this is going to be about a bunch of other people that yeah. are like that that get activated and go and do whatever i i assume again because this is from the people who brought you heroes is that they're just going to get to a point where they say well fuck it person. we'll have well we'll follow a person who who was supposed to be an agent but then wasn't and we'll just call it unborn and uh no I that's a whole different show entirely it's a whole different show entirely that just will never happen because it creates so so much controversy <laughs> it's a girl who's like i was gonna go on 16 and pregnant on tv but damn it uh suddenly there was blood in the toilet i no man you know it's just i think that this is this is probably gonna be okay they've had a few different uh spy action series on usa and they're usually pretty good I, yeah even if i don't watch every single one of them and and some of them like the michael wesson thing just went on way too goddamn long because you never learned a fucking lesson yeah. uh but it was a good show and had good capable actors in it uh so hopefully this can this can land uh i just man i i don't know it, it the jason Bourne movie just came out last year right the the last one with matt damon and did I, it do very well i don't think it did too well no right um, so they, they yeah. did the first three Bourne movies which is like oh great we've got a really good trilogy and then they said oh we're gonna relaunch with with renner and and people went uh, hawkeye and mm -hmm. and which I like Jeremy Renner quite a bit. Uh, I liked him on the Unusuals, an ABC series that he did before he took off into film. I think before the Hurt Locker, actually. Uh, but that didn't seem to do a lot either. And so I just are people just jumping up and down for more born related properties, I, especially when Damon isn't even involved in it. I think the big thing with that one is the fact that. It's a universe where, it, it, like, they're using Jason Bourne as the hook as getting eyes to this show. Um, so know, it's and, like Agents of Shield. Yes, yes. In in that in that regards of yes, they're, where they're using the Avengers to get you know the eyeballs to you know to it. But then what I think is going to keep it 
is the fact that there's going to be really compelling uh, storytelling. Um, because with with what it sounds like, it sounds like it's a little bit of mixture of you know the Bourne movies, obviously, with uh, Sense Eight. You know, like so what Agents of Shield should have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you know, like the agents are all activated from around. You know, it says around the world, or awakened, as it says, and then you know the hilarity ensues. You know, so the the things will happen after that. Of you know, you know, figuring you know whatever it means to be awakened. You know, so they're gonna then have to do these uh, these missions and stuff like that. I don't know. It it sounds, it, it, yeah. It also it does sound a little bit expensive. Um, but I mean, all, all in all, honestly, they will probably do what they did with uh, Covert Affairs, where they're going to take you know film a lot of it in, um, you know where it's supposed to be set in DC or whatever, but they're going to film it in Toronto to to cut the budget. And all that stuff. Um, the next one is called Briar Patch. This is based on the Ross Thomas novel of the same name. And basically, the show follows Allegra Dill, an investigator returning to her border town, Texas home, after her sister is murdered in a, uh, by a car bomb. And she get, begins to find that the that her hometown is just as corrupt as she, when she left and stuff like that. And she's um, basically this sounds a lot like, um, some other shows that have been on USA network or, or similar to a lot of other shows that have been yeah, there on was there. An FX show. I think that was, uh, a female cop and it yeah. was like it, and it kept going cross between where they were in the, the Mexican border. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember exactly what it's called. The bridge maybe. Um, yeah. but this sounds the search for a killer is at least a fundamental story. We're 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 looking to to get somewhere, and hopefully they wrap that story up, at least that portion of the story of her story, mm-hmm. in one season, and then they find ways to continue with her going beyond that. But I don't want to see another thing of like the long trek to solve this mystery of of multiple seasons, like what they did with the Mentalist, um, or what they did with the Killing, or yeah. Twin Peaks, which I love so- Twin Peaks, but that's one of the hardest parts about it is like at some point you got to fucking tell us who did it. So I didn't even give you the biggest part. Um, Andy Greenwald serves as a writer and executive producer with Mr. Robot creator, Sam Esmail. Um, also executive producing through his production company, Esmail Corp, anonymous corpse or anonymous contents. Chad Hamilton will also executive produce. Um, Jan Demange will direct and service executive producer. And uh, this is a co-production between Universal Cable Productions and Paramount Television. So you have the backing of the creator of Mr. Robot, USA and Anonymous. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, um, um, you know USA's biggest show to come out. Gosh, I'd probably say since Suits. I mean, because Suits had some had a big following at at first, but then it you know fell out and all that. I so, I, I I wonder. I wonder if Suits is getting kind of like any more recognition now because of Meghan Markle uh, being who she is uh, outside of the show. Um, Suits was always a great show, though, and she was always fantastic on it. So it's it's really interesting to me to see. Because she's marrying a ginger boy. Exactly. Yeah, you know, one of those (laughs) Weasley boys. Um, But uh, no, I... I loved the first season of Mr. Robot. Now, I haven't followed up to the second and third season so far. Yeah. and I've, I've heard kind of mixed reviews of how the second season went, uh, but that doesn't really bug me. It, it, 
but I loved what they did. And, and a lot of that really had to do with the fact that the way that they utilized technology was intelligent and felt real. Uh, it felt honest. You saw actual hacking taking place that you could tell if you have any kind of experience in, in tech that it was pretty accurate. And that kind of stuff was important. To see them do something so perceivably different, we don't know until we see how it's executed, will be interesting because, I mean, we're, we're used to this one product. And, and yeah. it's, it's sort of a make or break when you go to your second product and how people receive that. And can you tell good stories without that, I'm not going to say crutch, but without that kind of like endpoint for the tech community of, oh, I'm watching this because of the tech aspect of it and because of the creepiness and everything. There was definitely very, very good writing in, in the first season as I watched it. So I expect good things from this show. And just the theme, you know, th this is a kind of show that I would be interested in watching anyways. Again, as long as we lead to an actual answer. Now, there weren't a lot of fucking answers at the end of Mr. Robot's first season. Uh, but I, <laughs> I didn't expect there to be. That thing just got more and more cloudy as it went along. But it did reveal things to you that you probably could have held for seasons at a time. Lost would have gone like nine seasons and a movie. Oh, no, that's community. Um, <laughs> but but definitely they they did give you payoffs. And as long as they keep that aspect of it, then, yeah, I would I would totally tune in for this. Yeah. Um, I was looking at Sam Esmail's, you know, just what he was credited for. I love the fact that Sam Esmail's production company is called Esmail Corp, which is E Corp, yeah. which is just one letter designation ahead of F Corp. Yeah. Well, which I thought the one company was was E Corp because oh, it was you're F right. Society. F Society, correct. Yeah. My mistake. See, um, it's been a while. Yeah. But he's he hasn't really done a lot, but I mean, it's so what he has done, it has been really, really good. And it's they've used a lot of stuff, you know. They, like they've used a lot of stuff from hack five you know like they use the wi-fi pineapple they use oh you know, so like, they're stealing from psych <laughs> you watch the no, show no, yeah they're no they're stealing from darren kitchen no they're they're honestly like that was the bit one of the biggest things that i you know from watching um season one of mr robot was the fact that you know seeing guys like darren kitchen um, you know, through Brian Brushwood, who's just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And, and Darren's like, yeah, they're using my product and we can't keep this stuff on the, in our warehouse. We're just, it's like, we get it made and boom, out it goes. Yeah. You, you like to see that happen for, for yeah. somebody as cool as Darren is. Yeah. And it's, and I mean, it was also from the fact that like, you know, I know the basics and I mean the basics of, uh, of like the hacking stuff. And it's like, you know, hearing nobody hacks the basic anymore, man, that that's old Commodore technology true true um but hearing you know people like darren who know you know a lot more of the cybersecurity, say how accurate it is I'm like all right yeah they've done their research more than just uh this is one of my favorite things i heard from the writers of house where they would write the script and they literally just write medical 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 when they were doing medical terms yeah and all that, and then have a consultant come in and go well you should use this one and then it would do this and that blah 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 and all that um but yeah, I remember writing up a program actually on my Commodore 64 <laughs> that was meant to emulate what they did on the old, old 80s show Whiz Kids, uh, which is when you would see somebody typing stuff on the keyboard and you there would be no correlation between what they were typing and what was showing up on screen. Uh -huh. uh, 
But what they would do is they had a program and the program would type the text up on the screen. No matter what key they hit, it would type the next letter in what was supposed to be coming up. And I remember writing a program, uh, probably like I got it out of family computing or something that did that. And like the hours that I spent sitting there typing all the code up to do it. Uh, but it was just so cool to me to be doing something that emulated a show that I watched on TV. And and that's just as a little kid, not something that I made myself. So the idea of being a person who's who's made a product and to get that kind of recognition of your product being good to the point where the show wants to use it. And then on top of that, have the show's success lead to your product being sold in a higher number. That's a that's amazing. Yeah. And we, we got off a little bit on there. But the, the third show that we're going to talk about is Dare Me. This is based on the novel of the same name by Megan Abbott, who will also serve as executive producer alongside uh, Gina Fator, Peter Berg, um, and Michael uh, Michael Lombardo through uh, Film 44 alongside uh, Sarah Condon and Karen Rosenfeld, or Rosenfeld. Now, this is, in my opinion, from what it sounds like here, a little bit of a departure from typical USA shows. It's a good departure, but it's still, it's not the typical, or at least what I would expect from them. Um, the series, it dives into the cutthroat world of competitive high school cheerleading in a small Midwestern town um, through the eyes of two best friends after a new coach arrives to bring their team to prominence and all that. So it's, it to me screams like, okay, this could have went down the road of and of course obviously without reading the book there you know without reading the novel this is based off could have been on you know like cw before they did arrow when they did you know tv shows like hellcats um or uh you know freeform you know it could have been like one of those avenues it could be close to a friday night lights type of yeah. thing if it goes high drama if mm -hmm. it goes young drama or even dramedy if it does something of like the the what was the the one about the doctor and his brother that were living in the rich man's house? Oh, uh, Royal Pains. Royal Pains. And then there was the woman who became the football coach. Uh, her show was kind of in that same kind of oh, taste. You mean that she, she became the football psychiatrist. Uh, necessarily. That's person. what it was. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it could lean into to more of that kind of field, not being yeah. a super serious drama show uh, or high action show, but something where it's got the characters that you you just kind of deal with every. The only difference is that in both those things, uh, they had the re new problems that would show up every week. That would be the episode's key, and then you get the character stuff around it that would just develop as the season went on. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then the final one for this article is Erase. Now, start right out with this. This is the one that I'm like, okay, yes, I want to talk about this article because of this show. It's created by Dennis Leary along with Alex Carey, um, which I don't know if Alex Carey was with him on Rescue Me, but it sounds a, a lot, and like like we might go down that Rescue Me type, type show territory. This is set to be a dark comedy about a dirty ex-cop who decides to do the right thing and bring down his complicit superior officers, um, but his best weapon in this battle um, a photographic memory is suddenly compromised by symptoms of early onset Alzheimer's. Um, so now, it is uh, a, yeah. So Alex I mean, Carey worked on Homeland, 
uh, worked on Lie to Me, worked on Legends, which I've never actually heard of, and the Taken TV series. Okay. Yeah. And then, so I mean, oh, and worked so, on In Plain Sight, which I remember as the USA show. Yep. Mm-hmm. The in, in Plain Sight, I don't think did too well there, but still, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of other great things that he's done. Five seasons, um, man. Oh, no, wait, hold on. In Plain Sight, what one was that one? That was the, the, I think she was a ranger, uh, her and her partner. Oh were, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, it did fine. It was just one of those, like, like I say, it, it just didn't catch my eye is right. more what I meant. Um, but no, yeah, it's, I mean, this seems like really cool. Um, Dennis Leary is going to be starring in this as the lead character, Donald, Donald O'Neill. Um, and it sounds really cool. Like it reminded me a little bit of like, you know, of psych where you know where you know he's got the photographic memory much like um sean you know sean spencer did but you know going obviously way darker than what psych ever did um and also bringing up the fact of you know bringing up the fact you know that he's got alzheimer's you know he's got early onset alzheimer's which is going to play probably big the longer the show goes like if it you know makes it through you and know, a dirty ex-cop is is kind of par for the kind of character that Leary plays well. Yeah. He's never really the best guy in his shows. He's always a little underhanded, uh, underserving of others. But mm-hmm. in his his heart, he's not an awful person. He just is greedy. He he thinks with his dick too much. Whatever it may be, he's not <laughs> he's not from the shield. Uh, but he's he's not exactly you know your you're you're a goody two shoes cop either. Yeah. So that's it and for then those. they come out of the cave like Jesus. Woo! Uh <laughs> that's it for those. I mean, honestly, USA's doing more. And I think because I think this is Suits' last season. Um they've made it sound like Suits may continue, but it's gonna be the last season for uh two of the, the main characters from it. Yeah, it because Megan retiring. Yeah, Megan Markle, she's like, I'm done with acting. Um, because she's gonna be she's gonna be you know, just Princess Megan or whatever her title will be over, you know, when she's done married, you know, when she gets married to uh, uh, Prince Harry in like a month, I think. I think it's in May. I don't know. I haven't watched enough uh, BBC America to see the advertisements of the royal wedding. It's like, so you're re airing Kate and Prince William? <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, so I mean, I, and honestly, you know, it is good to, to shake things up a little bit, you know, with these, you know, with these shows, especially, you know, I mean, if it gives breaks for shows like Mr. Robot, to where they're not, you know, ha- constantly having to put stuff out, you know, to fill in gaps or stuff like that, to where we can get a little bit of a break, to where you know they can catch up, you know, fully plan out where they want to go. I don't know. This if it me means th- that I don't have to see so many goddamn Chrisley episodes and Chrisley's yeah. talk show, uh, then I don't know. Oh, God. Like, man, that, that's a rough choice to go with, USA. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Especially where it's like, I feel like from watching the advertisements from, you know, this week with wrestling, where they had their, what's, I, I they have one of the songs that's, it's like a popular song. And I'm like, wait, are they cu- cousin Olivering this? They mentioned when I got one more season, yes, because like they got like this little uh, little black girl. I think that they adopted or something. And I'm like, so they're bringing in someone. They're bringing in this little kid because they need more, you know, ratings or whatever. All right, cool. This means that they're panicking. It means we're almost done with this nightmare. One would hope. Yeah, but speaking of renewals, 
we have a little twofer here. Um, the first bit is that Jessica Jones is officially returning for season three. This is where I admit I have not seen season two yet, and it is because there's a lot of stuff on. There is and, a lot of stuff on. I, I yeah. sat through season two. Uh, I, I can't remember if I watched it in one weekend or over two, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I went through it pretty fast shortly after it came out, so probably not the first weekend, but in the first month, I think, I, I sat through the whole season. It's good. It had a lot of things that it wasn't going to be able to do, which is one with the the excellent villain that they had in the first season. They weren't going to be able to to land at that same point. And and definitely as far as villains go, I had some problems with the choices that they made, but that was in the ideas the execution, the long term of it, I think turned out pretty good. At, at, at the point when they introduced the villain, I didn't have a lot of interest. Then they gave us information as to who the villain was. I was like, oh, Jesus, are they really doing that? And then what happened with the story after that was actually quite solid. And I liked most of it. I didn't love how it kind of became very pat and how it ended. And uh, man, I didn't really dig Patsy this season. Uh, I think they did a lot of stuff with her character that just didn't feel right and had terrible motivations. Uh, In the end, I hope it leads to a really good third season, Uh, but this one was far more up and down for me than the first season was. But that's to be expected. The first half of Daredevil season two, I thought was great with all the Punisher stuff. And then they went to the Electra stuff, and I was like, this is awful. Yeah. Uh, I have no interest in this, and what a weird twist to take. Um, Luke Cage, same sort of thing. First half of, of the season was just great, and then the second half of the season went to a really stupid, over-the-top villain that just tore away all of the goodwill that I think the first half had built. Um, so I think that there's a lot of room in these Netflix series to grow. But the fact that it's coming back is a good sign for Netflix, uh, for Marvel shows on Netflix, for their continuing relationship, which is important, I think, right now still. And uh, I really enjoy Ritter as Jessica Jones. Uh, So I'm I'm glad to see it return. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then the other part here is that because i mean honestly i have nothing to add to that is that hbo is has renewed silicon valley for a sixth and possible final season and bill haters barry um now barry i have not jumped into yet i um, haven't yet either i want yeah. to again because I, I like bill Hader and he's not fred armison uh <laughs> but i haven't i haven't made it episode <laughs> uh, i am gonna say man silicon valley when was the last season that it was funny? Because like, I, I kind of remember all? thinking the end of the first season ended on such a high point of it being really, really funny. Yeah. And then I can't remember a time since then that I thought, oh, this is a funny show. It's yeah. more of a I watch it out of obligation. Well, and- like Kamel's on it. I really like Kamel. Yeah. Uh, he's he he's so counterbalanced by uh by Middle Bitch or whatever his name is, the, oh, yeah. the main guy. I don't yeah. I don't like him at all. Um, and it's just it seems like the show is more about watching these guys just make shitty, 
shitty fucking decisions the whole time. And you have, I have no way to root for them at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like any of them. Uh, I, I just kind of like, I watch along and I keep hoping that it'll be humorous at least. And, uh, unfortunately the funniest one on the show was probably TJ Miller. And, uh, now he's hilarious in new and exciting ways on trains, but I, I just, I, I, I feel like I need to watch the show because of the subject matter, because of the little in jokes about tech are good, but for the most part, the the funniest things about it are so few and far between yeah that it's just it's just torture at this point it it's yeah. not heroes torture but it's not good yeah i mean it's i think for me part of the humor is the fact is the uh martin star and uh kamal yeah, characters like, like they're like the episode um what was it La not this past sunday but the sunday before where where um kumail's dinesh. character got got a tesla yeah 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 where dinesh got a, t a tesla and then um martin Starr's character ended up getting an electric bike that looked like it belongs at burning man and yeah. and all that like that Gilfo the anarchist versus dinesh the uh i'm just gonna say anti-socialist uh because he has no social game at all it, yeah. I, 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 again, I enjoy them. I like the the COO of the company. I, I think because he's just so sweet. But the the main guy is just so terrible and brings oh. nothing out in me. It's like I just I want to see him get shot in the face. I want to see like the the original ending to Clerks with him is he's just sitting in his office like doing some dumb coding, dicking around shit. And and not making his company succeed at all, um, like I, yeah. I just go fucking die in a Verizon commercial. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't I mean, want you to die. I'm I'm, I'm literally no, no, like yeah. being very very facetious. Yeah, I just but the character is just driving it's, me up well, because it it is one of those things that you see here. Like for me watching it, you see the the fact that you have Richard Hendricks who is very self-destructive with how he with how he with how he and of course middle ditch is an actual vc now i mean good god if, if i had a bunch of money i could become a vc i mean it's not like it's that hard venereal challenger uh venture capitalist okay uh <laughs> you know and here we have to point out that this is this is a comedy that a lot of people love yeah uh, and and the annoyances that I have with this character are kind of like what I felt with Michael Scott on The Office. Mm -hmm. Is that just the wrongness, the the just blatant ineptitude and how he just continuously fucks things up worse and worse. I didn't really love The Office. And, and certainly some of the episodes were way worse. I mean, was, as much as I liked some of the other people in the room, like that character being the focus and what they went to after... Corell left to Ed Helms and had Helms's character being even worse in that way. Like, but those are shows that are successful. So there's there's just a type of show that I don't like. And and this appears to be it. But I still feel like I haven't seen something truly funny since that first season. And it's it's kind of like it it's riding high on something that it did well once and hasn't improved on 
or matched since. Like, do you feel like there's been just like laugh out loud, hilarious moments like that lately? With with Silicon Valley, uh, la- uh, what I'll say is last season, so season four, it was watching everything. It was like watching the self-destruction for me was was funny because or, or no, it was season three, season four, where it was like watching him self-destruct, you know, just full on shoot himself in the fucking foot. But that's all he the- does. Yeah. Like that's, that part. that's the Michael Weston thing over again. It, yeah. It's like at some point I just get burnt out on it. If if the character can't learn or if it's his only shtick, uh, then it it loses something to me. Uh the hot dog, not a hot dog. That that's funnier because it's a real app that they turned it into an actual app. Mm-hmm. The the taking over the refrigerators thing is is like mildly funny because again, it's the technology stuff, but I don't see the the humor in the characters. For the overarching thing, you don't see the humor. Yeah, you know, and, and all that, where it's like even now the with with uh, Jin Yang, it's sort of like, oh yeah, like I, of all the things that we had to lose in the show, we keep Jin Yang. Yeah, like, where it's it's like it's like Jin Yang is honestly just an asshole on in there, and I mean yeah, he's he has his funny moments, but his funniest moments was were were playing off of T.J. Miller. Those were his best moments. Now it's just. He's an asshole, you know. Yeah, like, it's it, like it, it the wasn't... Tonight Show. If Johnny Carson left and Ed McMahon was still just sitting there in the chair, doing his thing, doing yeah. an empty Carson chair. No, exactly. And it's just like I mean, eh. like I still, I still like the show. Don't get me wrong. It's just I feel like they can do. Like there's there's a quote in the article from Mike Judge that he gave last year. Uh, to your, your last summer to uh, the Hollywood Reporter, and he goes, "Season five would be the second to last." Yeah, uh, that's how we were uh, how we were talking when we were setting up this season finale, talking about season four, um, just to help us in the writing. But you never know; it could be that it gets to six and someone has some idea. That's the only reason why way I that's the only way I think that it does stay on is if they have some idea. That changes up a lot of things in there. Because well, they haven't I mean, had any for the last three seasons, but okay, yeah. maybe just hope for the best. <laughs> this is just, this is, we should just call Elster and Corey shits and everything. Because uh, that's, I, I don't mean Showtime. to. I, you, you enjoy it. I, I it's, want to enjoy it. That's the thing is I'm desperate to enjoy this show. No, yeah. Uh, there are shows that I know are just not for me. This show should be good well and, 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 and it frustrates me that i don't feel that it is yeah and, and here's here's the, the thing beats given us a lot of great bits in there like he says the bit, bitcoin fluctuations where they had the the, the song, song yeah the napalm death song i don't know that it was that it's, great it's, of a bit <laughs> it's, but, but here's the thing it's a great i'm I'm, I'm in a room full of tech people I leave the computer on. Nobody knows how to unplug the speakers from my fucking computer when I'm not there. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's just standing around still dealing with it. And there's not, there's the suspension of disbelief that I just will not accept. Yeah. Uh, but now, even, but I mean, even then, it's like Beats giving us a lot of the stuff in here. Um, you know, like with Jin Yang, um, the hot dog, not hot dog app. Um, you know, a funny. lot of it, a, a lot of it is either little bit jokes or it's a, a b plot it's not really 
the a plot that is, is what you're getting at because it's right tr- trust me i i still enjoy the show it's just i see where you're coming from because i've had those those thoughts in my head this whole time and it's like i'm like you know it's 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 the car crash thing it's like you know i'm, I'm watching this guy you know in a car crash you know and he's just crashing over and over and over again at some point you would think i would be like okay i'm done watching this car crash i'm gonna go go over here and yeah i have yeah, and, and that's that's pretty much it there's there's a thing called hate watching i don't hate watch yeah um i'm not watching the show because i despise it i don't despise it i i certainly dislike certain aspects of it or certain characters in it yeah maybe more than mildly but i i know that there's something that could be there and i know that with the people involved it could be and has been a funnier show i i just it kills me when i see something labeled as a comedy and Mm. it doesn't do anything to try to be funny um because just what are you now it, now do you think do you think that um silicon valley would have went down a whole other um path if the actor who played uh peter gregory didn't pass away probably yeah but you look at what they're doing right now is we're underutilizing characters that are there yeah. you know that uh, i see amanda crew in the credits every week and and i want her to be a part of the show like she's credited she's never in it yeah she she's was in never in it. she was in episode two this this so far yeah and and, it, and this show still doesn't have any intention of having female characters be a real part of it mm-hmm. which is also incredibly frustrating yeah it's it's like man i i've watched enough kevin smith movies i can sit and laugh at two hours of dick and fart jokes uh, or I can do that in my own podcasts. And as a person who's in three podcasts that unfortunately don't have any female co-hosts, I know I can't throw big stones at this uh, without someone saying, oh, there goes your testicles, huh? So, yeah, but I just, the show should be better. Yeah. And and the show has enough talented cast that it could do better. And uh, I think the audience deserves better. Mm-hmm. That's me. The final news story that we have here is one that i respect you know it's about about a, about a group a group that i respect for what they've done um you know there's a lot of people we wouldn't have a lot of skits that we have on snl if it wasn't for these guys here you know and and the fact that the headline is what caught me and i'm like wait what and that's uh martin scorsese is directing a sctv reunion special for netflix it's going to be a documentary um you know like one of those the traditional that you would see on NBC, like, oh, it's it's friends 20 years later. And, you know, here's, you know, I'm blanking on names now. Uh, it looks um, like they might be bringing back Mad About You. Yeah. But that's it's it, right now. Yeah. But it's, see, it's not a we're bringing it back. It's here's the actors, you know, sitting there talking, you know, talking about the various things is what this is. Um, But so we were talking a little bit about this before the show that you that you did watch SCTV. Um, I've I've only seen bits of it. Um, yeah, okay, audience, kid. take take bets now. Is Corey gonna shit on Martin Scorsese? Is Corey gonna <laughs> shit on Martin Short? On Andrea Martin? There's so many Martins to choose from. Uh, what is Corey gonna rant about needlessly uh, for five minutes? Like we give a fuck. Um, no, I liked SCTV. Yeah. It was. 
always kind of a also ran to SNL for me because it's Canadian and so it didn't get the same recognition. It's and Canadian. Here, it's here in there. the States. <laughs> no, here in the States, it, it was it was not the same giant hit here as that was. It's kind of like the the Frantics or Kids in the Hall. Mm-hmm. Although I, definitely by the time that I was age appropriate for some of these sketch shows more, uh, Kids in the Hall was in that perfect landing place for me that it was just, oh, wow, this is fucking amazing. And um, and later on, the state as well. But absolutely, a lot of, of great people involved in this, people that you see still today. Uh, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy, who are, it after multitudes of things with Christopher Guest, uh, they're, they're doing Schitt's Creek still, so very relevant. Uh, Andrea Martin is on that Tina Fey show uh, that I don't news. watch. Yeah. yeah um, great news, yeah. Dave Thomas shows up in things all the time. We we get classic people like uh, who sadly passed away, like Harold Ramis and John Candy uh, or Rick Moranis, who just let his career die. It's a lot of amazing comedians, actors who all did stuff like this. And of course, you as a kid, I've watched Strange Brew like a billion times with my friends. It was unendlessly funny. Uh, in a way that I can't even explain why it was so funny to me because it was about beer drinking and just being weird. I, I don't know why that was hilarious, uh, but it was. So, so I'm I'm excited to see this. Like I'm excited to see a reunion of Monty Python mm-hmm. uh, when they have one of those times when the groups just get together and they just sit and they they chat and they tell jokes in front of an audience and reminisce about the good old days. Yeah, I'm totally into this. So Corey, you have a month right now before it they do the filming of it they're gonna do the filming on sunday may 13th at toronto's elgin theater at an event titled an afternoon with sctv it'll be moderated by jimmy kimmel so this is gonna be like what all a lot of the stuff that they're gonna be covering for for the martin scorsese movie so I mean, it you couldn't like, afford hey, colbert no. <laughs> <laughs> um but no honestly i look at this and I, I do have respect for it because I mean, it's where it's, it's, this is where the point where I make you feel old because it was, you know, with this, when this came out, it was, I believe before me, um, 1976 is when SCTV premiered in 81 and then became SCTV network in 81. And then SCTV channel came out in 83. Yeah. So all that before I was born, all that is Nickelodeon. That was strictly a nineties thing. No, all that I was actually alive for. That was what that was my first thing that I got into um, with that. So I've been following Keenan Thompson for a good while. That so as this sentence is coming up, like that sounds more creepier than you think it is. But no, I've been you know a, a fan of Keenan Thompson's career for a lot longer than a lot of other people because I grew up watching him on us on all that and then the Muddy Ducks and all that. But I say this as Second City Television all the stuff that that came out with you know all the iterations were before my time um by the early the latest one by six years and sorry for making you feel old um but no it's like i have respect for it because growing up one of my favorite shows was um oh was the red green show that we had here on pbs um because i think because we lived here on the border like one of the border states with canada that we got you know it's like hey here's red green where i think like if people in arizona i don't think they really got the red green show 
Yeah, anytime someone's talking about polka dot door and shit, and I'm like, oh yeah, Mr. Dress Up, and they go, what the fuck is Mr. Dress Up? <laughs> you, you dick. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't. Dress Up was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, no. so it's. Don't arm us in me, motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't. I hated you because I did the. I did the, the Bill Hader, the Californians. Right. Um, right. That's him. That's him doing that intro part. So no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't nervous in you yet. Um, but yeah, honestly, this sounds really cool. Also, I the, the big part for me is I love seeing these these things like you know Monty Python was before my time. You know, I didn't. I didn't really start watching Monty Python until I was like 21, 22 and all that. The seeing so see you know hearing the stories and then honestly what i hope this does is if it's not on there already that it gets it puts sctv on netflix as well to where you know people people will be able to see you know this this thing go out but then also like like you know like me who missed it you know barely caught it on repeats that they're able to then go okay well what was this about because that's what I did with the um, documentary Too Funny to Fail about Dana Carvey show. I then rewatched the Dana Carvey show and I'm like, oh my God, this is great. And, all, you know, I love the Dana Carvey show, but at the same time, it's like, and I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of other, you know, young comedy fans that would be like that. Yeah. It, another thing that you also have to look at is because of the, the time that it was, film produced and everything is do the jokes hold up the same way uh some of them are, are timeless a lot of them aren't it's it's like watching old saturday night live episodes you can see the work of genius of some of these characters and stuff they were doing but they seem old uh quaint mm-hmm. like not not modernly funny and so is the audience the same for that stuff as they would be now i'm watching episodes of wkrp in cincinnati uh of the first season because that's all they have on hulu uh, i think uh, i already talked about this last week yeah and i i love it but it's 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 funny to see how much television has changed how much humor has changed how much what they used to get away with which was probably really racy in the 70s when i was watching this originally is now very clean tv comparatively uh but i have a fondness for it because i grew up with it yeah i don't know if somebody else would get the same humor from it as i would although i always recommend in the first season that thanksgiving episode everybody needs to see that episode Mm -hmm. uh that's just one of the funniest things of all time on tv i still crack up almost exactly the same as i did the first time i saw it uh to this day after seeing it 20 30 times again i'm that same way with shows like all that where it's you know if i catch that on on other things it's like where i look at that and part of me goes i like this because the humor is very very nickelodeon where it was like he said fart and stuff like that yeah but But, at least you're looking at a comparison of something that you watched as a kid yeah funny and funny now you're an adult as a kid i watched wkrp but it was meant as adult humor Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just getting away with staying up on Sunday nights to see it. <laughs> Didn't stay yeah. up for taxi though. For some reason, I had to be in bed by the time taxi came on. It, it was because of Andy Kaufman. Yeah, fair. <laughs> but yeah, that is going to do it for the news. 
and we will be right back. And we are back, and it is time for the Else Views, and this is the portion of the show where I bring you two movies that I've seen over the past week. Because, like I said, I am not going to be talking about WrestleMania or any of that stuff. That is going to be on the Else Nerds uh, YouTube channel, and I will probably sneak that in on the audio feed for Else Nerds alone, not the mega feed, as to be like, hey, it's the Else Nerds feed. What are, what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, so the first movie I'm going to talk about is the movie that came out the furthest from current day and that is star wars the last jedi uh star wars episode eight the last jedi um the movie that i heard a lot of people sort of bag on i have to say um and have you seen the last jedi i saw the last jedi in the theater okay i have to say that i i enjoyed the movie like i watched it on my tv right here and I mean, even though I had, I think I had to pause the movie with like nine minutes remaining because my grandma was, was waiting out in the driveway for 10 minutes already. And I'm like, well, we didn't, I didn't hear the dogs bark and I didn't hear you honk. So, I mean, how much longer could you have been out there? Um, but no, honestly, I felt like it was really good. And I felt like, I, I, I feel like it's a little weird. The fact that it seem it seems like they've written off luke skywalker and will will be writing off uh princess leia because admiral leia. Uh, yeah admiral leia because of things which i'm i'm okay with the fact that they will do that because it'll then be you know we'll then be getting away from the skywalkers and you know focusing in on on these new kids and stuff like that but it just seemed weird as to how yeah, and, and as Growly's putting, you know, didn't Mark Hamill say he wants out, which is understandable. I mean, he's, you know, he's been Luke Skywalker for a long time. Um, I actually had this discussion earlier with a a guy that comes into into my work, and he's cool, but he caught me with 10 minutes before, or yeah, no, not even 10 minutes before I'm supposed to be off the clock. They're talking like, damn it damn it damn and of it, course your it. grandmother was waiting in the car the whole time <laughs> no, no dogs no, barking though no. yeah yeah no dogs barking but it's because it was target there, we don't well we, we only allow service dogs um and he's like well what do you think about this and this and i'm like i basically i'm like dude okay like on the science stuff because i love a lot of the science things that they got done in there um with the where people i guess a lot of people had complaints about uh leia using the force and bringing herself in i'm like well if you look at because science and you use like they, they covered it in their one of their videos like you know she has a little bit of the force with her or, you know she's a little bit force sensitive you know and, you know i've seen it in numerous books where it's like you know she gets this feeling or you know so, something like you know it's not you know you know levitating stuff but it's you know just a little bit so it's you know vacuum of space doesn't take a lot to get a person moving so she just goes and moves the ship closer newton's laws every action every action is equal opposite reaction so she goes in and there's like, well, like what about the action i'm like you can survive about 90 seconds in space without oxygen you know it's all just a matter of are you panicking and going you know trying to breathe in or are you also, like let, let's let's be clear this is a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away yeah, we don't exactly. Know if their space is like our space. That's always been very contextual in in Star Wars lore. Because if you go to Empire, uh, remember when they're on the meteor and they're mm -hmm. they're wandering around? They're not wearing spacesuits. They're yeah. wearing masks. 
-hmm. so different space, different rules. It's a fantasy, <laughs> not sci-fi. Get it fucking right, people. I don't really give a shit. Uh, go ahead, though. But no, yeah. So I mean, honestly, I felt like I, I felt like you know, I mean, it was it was a good movie. It was a decent movie. Um, I I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I watched it last week, so it's it's a little bit you know not exactly fresh on my mind, but it felt like it went by really quick. But I I think also as part of it was because of the fact that you know it takes place within like this you know what six hour window and all that um i like i like the ending you know with the the you know the heroes you know we're you know they're, they're celebrating these heroes that they had of you know the i'm blanking on the person who took over command with leia in the infirmary um where she stays on to oh and spoiler alert the movie's been out for since december um where she's piloting the ship goes to light speed through through the dreadnought like that i'm like okay that's freaking awesome and stuff like were that. you like, confused when the sound went out no right I, yeah uh the vocal minority confused why is the sound not working uh it's <laughs> space well again subjective rules it could be that they were just well, an intermission, but yeah. Um, I, 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 how I did you feel that. about okay. how did you feel about Rose? But Rose, I liked Rose. I mean, I I felt like for now it's okay. There's a part that throws me a little bit. It seems like Finn and Ray might have something, you know, like they might be, you know, becoming more than friends or something, and then. We get that, that. That's what I was getting with this, with with last Jedi. I was like, okay, they're where they're both like, hey, tell tell Ray this or tell Finn this, and it's like, okay. So, do you guys, so here's the room. Do you guys need a room? As a person, as a, per, as a person who's uh, watched the the film before it and this one, here's here's my thoughts on that. Um, one, of course, it ignores the entire slash wish of Finn and Poe. Po, yeah, but in in the 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 first of these movies the uh, whatever what was the first one called again uh phantom fucks us. right okay so uh <laughs> phantom fucks us the 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 whole finn ray thing seems very finn's into ray yeah uh and of course again people reading finn into poe or poe into finn whatever that's that's fine that's cool you know there's a lot of room and space to it's bang just bang between two guys that's all it is mm. But it, it seems not one sided necessarily, but it def definitely seems more like Finn is more pining for Ray than Ray is pining for Finn. Ray's Ray's got her own shit going on. She's not really thinking so much about, hey, I, I got a I got a boy. The other thing in this one, different storyteller taking in the middle of the series. So, you know, like whatever JJ was planning, maybe got derailed a little bit. Uh, it seems like they want to paint Ray as having conflicting feelings about Kylo. Yeah. And there's a Kylo trying to romance her into taking his side kind of thing. That's why we got shirtless Kylo memes, uh, which is <laughs> huge spectrals. Uh, nice to see. But so while that's going on, th there's no reason for Ray to feel this connection to Finn if she's never really expressed an interest in the first place uh rose coming in and and i not 
100% sure that she has actual genuine romantic feelings for Finn or not, but the kiss at the end does give a moment of, oh, you know, that kind of, did it come out of nowhere or was it building or was it there? Or was it an appreciative thing that isn't necessarily romantically inclined? I don't know that it's one or the other or all three or none of them. It it just seemed, okay, it's, it's a moment where she's kind of, she takes him aback a little bit by yeah. the fact that she not only tells him what they're fighting for is not about one thing, it's about something else. It's about inspiring hope in everybody, mm-hmm. um, which is the same message that Leah has at the end of Rogue One, but she also stops him with the kiss. It 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 floors him. Now, he may at that point think, do I have feelings for Rey? Uh, or was Ray just something that I was chasing as I was trying to find my identity when not working for the Empire? And am I finding something else here with Rose or not? And then we're we're left again with a cliffhanger. We don't get answers to that. I don't have a problem either way. I like Rose as a character a lot. I found that the story that they had Finn and Rose go on was less than compelling in a lot of ways because it just seemed sort of stitched in. It's, hey, we're on this ship where everybody's in trouble and we've got to go save the day by hanging out at this fucking casino planet and find somebody that has nothing to do with the mission. Uh, Because it's like, oh, go find this guy. He'll be wearing this thing. That's how you recognize him. They see him. They get arrested. They never wind up with him. They find another random dude who can do all the exact same things. And everything in that scene felt like it was leading up to we're going to get Lando. Yeah. And the fact that we don't get Lando, but we get some other arbitrary character bullshit that is betrayal, like what Lando did in Empire, just felt very stolen from Empire for no good reason. And it just felt very forced and not right. It just didn't work. And the casino itself it was not interesting. It was to make statements about the the uh, the Empire and all that shit. And that's all it is. Uh, but to give some hope to the denizens of that planet who aren't part of the casino, the kid uh, who, who's sweeping with the broom at the end, the, the freeing the animals and stuff. Uh, I've heard vegan agenda and stuff. I don't give a shit about anything like that. I don't think it's an agenda i think it's just not the best storytelling examples uh but but rose's journey with her sister dying at the beginning of the movie and all the stuff she has to do it's all these things are moving very fast for these characters finn his story is moving very fast he decides i'm not gonna work for the fucking empire anymore i'm gonna get out of here then runs around finding ray trying to help her stay alive get away all of a sudden, there's a fucking Han Solo thing. Millennium Falcon. They were on some planet that can blow up other fucking planets. A lot of crazy shit for him. So he's just going nuts. And then he's knocked out. He's, he's taken out of the fucking fight. So stuff goes on around him. And he has to wake up again in this one and adjust and figure out what he's going to do. And his first plan is, I need to go find Ray. Get the fuck out of here. Go find her. That's my purpose. And then he finds a new purpose. Poe, his story is finding a new purpose, being taught to not be this guy that is constantly like, I'm the coolest one here. I'm the smartest one here automatically. No, you're cool. We all dig you. 
but uh, you have a lot of fucking shit to learn. You think you know best because you're just a hot shot, but you really need to look at the big picture. Now, could the big picture have been spelled out for him a little bit better? Probably. But would he have listened? No, because he's fucking Poe. He's the stand in for Han Solo. Han Solo doesn't listen. Han Solo goes with his instincts. But sometimes his instincts work out for the betterment for others. You know, he sometimes will put his benefits aside to look out for the team. And that's Poe's journey as well. He's, he's, he's like, I'm trying to do right by everybody, but I'm doing right in the way that I think should be done right. And you guys just are just dumb for not listening to me. And his his movement is to lead him to, oh, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than my thoughts. I have to look at the big picture here. Leia, it might have been better served to have Leia be the one to teach him that. But Leia would have known too well how to teach him that. And yeah. having another character brought in to do it, I think, was probably the better move because it was someone that we as an audience didn't know we could trust. And so it made us question her motives while rooting for Poe. And then it led us ast not astray, but led us to think, oh, well, shit, she was right. You know, I was just as foolish for as him because I wanted to see him go out and hotshot it and win and fucking shoot some fucking missiles not the not any bigger than a womp rat into a hole and blow up a Death Star because that's what I'm used to. So it takes us off of our, our feet a little bit and teaches us a way of looking at the story that isn't just a repeat of what happened before. Um, the Kylo Ren thing telling Rey about her parentage, everybody's pissed off. It's like, well, fuck, we waited all this time to find out Rey's parents, and it turns out that they're nobody. No, we're told they're nobody by Kylo Ren, who's a fucking manipulative liar, who yeah. doesn't even know how to do anything himself, is just constantly like on the edge of Wuss Cliff, uh, ready to jump off at any moment because he's just pissed off at everybody. He's trying to manipulate her to to do what he says so he can tell her your parents were nobody you know he can try to convince her of that shit and if she buys into it she buys into it but who is he one is he mm -hmm. an authority no uh but he is somebody who's trying to manipulate her not even to the dark side but to his side so that she doesn't take the bait is a big deal but she still is buying into his bullshit a little bit because that's the thing is the dark side would tempt the light side would tempt, but try to do it in a like, good, clean way. It's like Google do no evil bullshit. Um, whatever this new thing that he is doing is the same tricks. It's just in a gray area as opposed to a black or white area. So all yeah. of the things that I hear people complaining about, I get. You know, and if you walk out of it and you're like, that movie wasn't what I wanted. And certainly the, the stuff with Luke, because we expect Luke to be the hero, even though Luke has run the fuck away before. Um, and, and well, that, that is where we start with Luke. Uh, he does come out of it and he does do what he has to, to help save everybody. Ben Kenobi disappeared into the fucking sands and hid out for years and, and didn't even really know who Luke was when Luke showed up because the story wasn't written well then. Uh, bullshit Anakin took off to the dark side. It, it's, it's a repetitive thing. We, we know this stuff over and over. These are the stories. They're just going to repeat. But Luke did show up. He came to fight for his friends. He came to to put the smack down on Kylo uh, in the only way that he could without actually harming Kylo, which is something that he never wanted to do. He'd already made his decision on that. And he had to be taught by Yoda, who looked very puppetish in this, which is good. I like I that. Th I think it was the puppet. 
like I think it, it absolutely was. was. Yeah, no, it, it was. But that was the thing is like, I remember Yoda in in Empire mm-hmm. being a lot better done as puppetry than what Yoda looked like in this. And maybe it's because the pictures are clearer and stuff. But yeah, it's it's like wow, okay, they they didn't put a lot of time and effort into it like what you expect from the old days. But I don't care because I got to see fucking Yoda. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, honestly, I, I love the movie. I mean, you, you gotten into a lot of white people bagged on it. There's been very few movies that I've, I've given up on, you know, halfway through, through the movie because it, they just didn't interest me. Like, I'm like, oh, I think I might like it. And oh, nope. And I don't think there will be a Star Wars movie that does that, that will do that. Um, but I mean, honestly, all in all, it's going to be one of those things that you, that you will have like you as a person will have to watch and fi- figure out yourself i'm only gonna say hey i say watch it but you know what can i say i mean i'm only you know some asshole on the internet do you feel like because this is what i feel like mm-hmm. do you feel like these movies would have been better if they didn't have han and leia and luke i feel yeah i feel like if they did if they did have to do it to bridge you know, like, like I get it for like safety's sake for the first one, but I mean, definitely, you know, move away from that as much as possible. You like, know, I don't, I don't want to watch movies where it's just the excuse of having my favorite characters in there is to see them die. Yeah, that that seems like a really shitty move to me. Is they they killed Admiral Akbar, they they killed Han, they've killed effectively luke and if luke doesn't come back as a force ghost it's it's a real bummer to just have that be the end Mm -hmm. and i I don't know why it's necessary to have that end just like i don't think it was necessary to do an exploration of anakin turning into vader in the prequels uh because it just it was telling the story that we already know what the ending is and the the joy of getting there wasn't really all that joyous so it, it gets to be like you never have a, a hero to root for in that. And and the characters that you might have gotten attached to, you just watch them go. Although Rogue One, you know everybody's gonna die in that, but I think Rogue One was far more successful because it didn't deal with those same characters. Yeah. It it comes up to their story at the end of it. So it leads into Vader and Leia and all that shit. But the whole movie itself is about other characters entirely. And seeing and getting involved in their lives and watching all that stuff is is a different thing. If if these sequels had been Ray, the the legacies of those characters, yeah, that would have been a little more palatable to me. I, and I'm not saying that I'm not enjoying these. I definitely am. But yeah, I the like here's here's where Han's been and here's Han back and now oop Han's dead and here's where Luke's been and Luke's back and oop now Luke's dead. You know, and 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 Leia is gonna die off screen. But I, I just, why even do it? It it's like the 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 books where they they wrote the death of Chewbacca and they wrote the death of other characters. No one wants that story. You know, yeah. you want to think about these characters going on forever uh, mm-hmm. and all the stories that you could do with them at at some point, but just never got to. And having the actors come back and i love that all of these actors got to come back to to get work to get a resurgence of popularity because they all deserve it they're all great yep but at the same time if it's just i'm bringing them back to kill them off why even do that then Mm -hmm. because it's not beneficial to the fans 
Nobody okay. wants to see the movie where where Han Solo dies. You know, that's not what anybody's asking for. I'm saying, I'm not saying that it wasn't a good movie, but I'm saying that if you said, oh, we're going to do this new Star Wars movie and Han Solo's going to die in it. Well, I don't want to see that. You know, if that was your pitch, no, thank you. Sorry, not interested. You know, it's like if the next Indiana Jones 5, which we know is going to be the last Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford, and they're like, yeah, this is a movie where we kill off Indiana Jones. Fuck you. You're not getting my money. You know, I, I, I'm i not even sure if I'll watch it out of morbid curiosity on cable because that's not what I want to see. But who knows? Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, on a, it's so weird. It's so weird, like, re recommending movies sometimes because, like, even with the discussion that the guy had, like, he's, like, because I'm giving the, sort of like I'm giving all, like, the passive, like, well, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't answer. And he's like, well, well I'm like, dude, I don't really... Like I don't really know because like and like well you gotta look at it this way look at it that way you know and all this was like oh yeah good good point good point and all but no honestly I'm excited for the next movie because well solo I'm cautiously optimistic for but episode nine um with JJ Abrams coming back I that one I'm excited for um the other movie that I want to talk about actually has to do with these these puppies right here the uh for the audio listeners i am holding a box with three plastic keys in it um and with these keys i've released them earlier on in the video if you, you can unlock maid marion's uh <laughs> chastity belt <laughs> if you find them you inherit the kingdom that is the else nerds and it will all be yours um or no please take it yeah, yeah please take my wife please um but no so this is actually these are the three keys that you see um from that are the big uh the MacGuffin of sorts for the movie Ready Player One. Um this is the other movie that I've seen. I've been so excited for this since I read the book by Ernie Klein, um, who co-wrote the screenplay with Zach Penn. And for those of you guys who do not know, uh when the I'm gonna read the synopsis here up at top from uh from IMDB. When the creator of a virtual reality world called the Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune. So this is set in the future. It's set in 2045. Um, the user or the creator, uh, James Halliday, he, um, in the book, he was you know big fan of the 80s because um, I, I believe he grew up in that time. And all that so you know the 80s definitely influenced his you know his life the uh, like this the, seeing this movie um my biggest thing that when i left it was it was too short this is one of those now i know i've and i'm pretty sure you can find older videos whether they be else nerds or uh or watching weekly or um what else is on where i talked to where i said you know why are they splitting up a book into multiple movies it's obviously just a money grab um with this i feel like they they left quite a bit out that you know like i could have seen them doing two or three books you know you do like you know three would be the obvious one because i mean there are three keys create you know you just do ready player one the copper key the jade key the crystal key and all that but at the same time, I enjoy what we have. And 
Well, it, it's not so much okay that it's an adaptation because Beats putting is you know that that'll always be the case with adaptations. It's more of the fact that it takes like in the book it takes him a while, and we have more world building of the Oasis than the Oasis is where you can do anything, and they put in here that he's a student you know he's in um actually he's a senior in high school where they go and you know showing the high school worlds in here where it's all they're all the same school um and where the avatars are more where they're more human versions than the um you know some of the more fantastical uh you know avatars that you have you know throughout the rest of the place and like it's not till like I think three fourths of the way through part one in the book where they finally get the copper key and stuff like that. But here in the movie, it's in like the first twenty minutes, you know, that he gets the copper key, and it's like, all right, that seems awfully quick. Um, now don't get me wrong. Overall, I love this movie. This movie is great. Um, you know, they did at least in my opinion, probably the best job of adapting a book to a movie um, in a good long while. Um, one of the things that if that you're interested that I found interesting is read the trivia. Like I'm not even, I'm not even through the trivia page on here, um, but it points out a lot of the different things, you know, from the movie, you know, like behind the scenes stuff. One of the cool things that I will, uh, that I will put in here is in, on the special effects side. Um, because this game or this movie, a lot of it takes place in the Oasis itself. And it's interesting at how they did the mocap. Like, I'm pretty sure they did all like the, you know, put on the suits and put all the little dots on your face to, to capture the mocap. Um, but what they did is at least on the, you know, with industrial light and magic, you know, the visual effects side, they left the person's mouth alone completely. Like there, there was no exaggerations. Um, like, like for example, if they were doing uh, the Joker, where his mouth is bigger or anything like that, every person's mouth with their avatars was was the person's mouth. It was almost like they took, like they just kept right here and just used the raw footage and stuff, you know, and just blended it in, which made it look great. Made it look like okay, we know that this is you know, Artemis, because, you know, where you see all the stuff, you still see her face. Um, you know, it's almost like they're, she's still acting, you know, in real, you know, like in real time, you know, in real life. And they're just doing digital enhancements as opposed to like space jam where, okay, we got green suit or, you know, you know, uh, Andy circus, you know, with all the stuff on and now it's just completely masking over him with, you know, with the digital character. The movie, oh my gosh, I the premise really good. I love the changes that they made. They did make some good changes, and part of me felt like that was Ernie Klein going, "It should end this way." Like, let's gonna tweak it a little bit. Um, the other little thing that I wish they stayed a little bit truer to, at least from, from how I and it is, it is basically a love story, but it's not a love story the way you would think. Um, Corey, have you seen Ready Player One? No, and I haven't no. read the book. Okay, so the book is good. Um, narrated by Will Wheaton on Audible, so I highly recommend that. Um, and but you have um, in in the book um, Ogden Morrow, who in the movie he's played by Simon Pegg. 
Ogden Morrow gathers up the kids and puts them, you know, and helps them out in like this Yoda sort of way um, before the final battle. And it, like he he takes place in big part of the book for it. And here you really only see Simon Pegg and, and his Ogden Morrow character in archival footage, um, which again is a brilliant, brilliantly done with the archival footage because basically what they do in here, um, James Halliday had all of his stuff recorded. You know, every interaction he had was recorded. And what the brilliant thing that they do, and I'll use the box as an example, because one of the scenes they have it in a cafeteria. So and you can look at it, you know, from this side, but in the with how they had the camera set up, and it's almost like they're doing it in real time, you know, like on a you know, with like the cameras that just you know, they're lined up where it just you know it's but they move it's almost like they recorded everything in like this 360 degree camera room or something, and then Steven Spielberg just moved the camera or had the editors move the camera to where he wanted to get the thing. Um, it looked very cool, very realistic, like pulling itself out of the movie. Like this is, you know, like, like home, home video quality, but showing future technology. Um, but yeah, like some peg, and you only really see him as the older Ogden Morrow until the end. And I'm like, well, I mean, why couldn't we have more of Simon Pegg? I mean, he's great. And then um, the actor who plays Halliday, uh, Mark Rylance, is brilliant. I couldn't tell his age for, throughout this whole thing um, from watching him. So I'm like, well, wait, is he a young guy playing older or an older guy playing younger and all this? And it turns out he's, what, 58, I think, or something. He was born in uh, 1960. So I think my math is off. But I mean, you know, he's not that old, but still, it's one of those things that he he was able to play both sides, and they didn't have the Age of Ultron. Here's young Tony Stark, and it's you know, it looks just so off. Or uh, the last parts of the Caribbean where we got young Johnny Depp, and it's like, uh, sort of deal. Like all of it looked so natural. Basically, I'm saying go watch this movie; you will enjoy it. Um, it is so so good. I can't quite quantify why I'm not excited to read or see Ready Player One, it, other than the fact that so many people who who are are raving about it always say, "Oh man, how could you have not read that book? It's it you would be like the perfect person for it. It just seems like you." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's probably the problem. Is that all of my weird quirks about?" pulling up useless trivia and and honing in on every fucking thing uh is is the shit that I have a problem with about myself. Yeah. It, it, they're my faults, not things that I I celebrate. Also, it, it depends on who you talk to. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the reviews I've heard about the story is that it's not so much a really well-written story or or that the story is even all that. It's it's just a Easter egg hunt for all the, the references of the eighties. And that's not interesting to me as a, as a book. And when I hear about how people who loved ready player one reacted to Armada and, and how it's just so totally opposite, I feel like, yeah, there's a reason why ready player one was a really hot book for a short period of time. And then you're done with it. And yeah. I, I just, 
I'm sure that there's a lot of, of, of things to like about it. I just, I'm not in a hurry to, to put a lot of time into reading it or even listening to it with Will Wheaton reading it, which seemed like it would be cool. Uh, I'll, I'll catch the movie at some point. Probably. I just, I feel like I'm doomed to be disappointed in it. It, and and maybe that's me predetermining that I'm going to be disappointed. A lot of it, though, honestly, is like I, I look at this and it's it's a love letter to the 80s. It's set in the future, but it's really a, lo- a love letter. The book. Now, the movie, it get it skews more newer because they're using um, like like looking at, you know, a lot of these, um, you know, these trivia bits. There's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of newer things like seeing Tracer in there from um, from Overwatch and, you know, the Halo crew in there. Iron like, Giant. Yeah, it's seeing the Iron Giant, which there are some things that I'm like, like I'm taking um, the Gundam wasn't the Gundam was still from the 80s as well. But Iron Giant, they they replaced him with um, they repl- they replaced him from in the book. He it was um these uh spider spider-man's mech from the japanese spider-man show um leopard but obviously they had to like they got it, it's it's interesting reading the trivia bits but both books honestly the uh armada and ready player one which armada is going to be next up as a movie um you know it's going to be coming up here pretty soon they're both really love letters to the 80s it's you know it's ernie klein yeah, but- but i feel like all of the the cool stuff i kind of saw in the trailer it's like pixels you see the the trailer for pixels or you see the short the pixels was based on you're like oh that's all really cool yeah there's two hours of this and and like how much of it is i'm gonna get my fill of it very quickly and then not have anything of substance there to to retain my interest yeah uh and and if it's if it's a subpar characterization if it's not really strong female leads at all i i have my biases is what i'm looking for yeah a good story and a good movie and i i feel like that's that's why i'm not jazzed about it but everybody who who is it it's like this is one of those things where i just probably missed the boat if i had been the first person uh, of all the people i knew to read ready player one i might have been excited about it and talking about it to everybody yeah. But coming into it later is like coming into the Harry Potter m- novels after you've already known for how many years that Dumbledore dies. It's, well, okay. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a spoiler written. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, honestly, I, I get it completely. Because, um, and be put in there, I know the question is more if Artemis was a weak female character, um, you know, just serving the male lead. I don't think she was. You know, I feel like she's really great. Um, you know, her motivations are more, her motivations are so pure when it comes to, when it comes to this, like she wants the Easter, she wants to claim the fortune so that the IOI guys don't get it. It's, and, and, and as you're going throughout the book, you're like it with the, with the book, you understand, uh, Parsifal, AKA Wade Watts's, uh, mindsets but that's also because he's the narrator um with this you don't really know what he's you know what his mindset is going to be because of the fact that you know it's you don't have the world building that you got of him in school 
you know, doodling on the, you know, doodling and looking up research while in class. And, and yet I'm where I'm entering a minefield, but that's where I honestly feel like, like she, she passes. What's that one test where like, you know, she doesn't have a scene in there really at all where she's talking with another woman about, about a man. There's not that in here. Um, but I feel, yeah, the, the, the benchel test or whatever it is, I feel like it's really strong, you know, really strong, you know, cake on all parts. Um, the other, other character in their H is a woman, which I didn't realize. Um, it's oh God, who is it? Um, the stand-up comedian from, uh, she's the black lady on master of none. Um, that's one of Aziz Ansari's characters, friends. I don't know if you've seen master of none or not. I have not. Um, she does the AT&T commercials for the, the your thing commercials. It's that actress in here. Um, you've probably seen those. Um, it's just, you block them out or whatever. Anyways, anyways, um, I didn't know until they did the reveal that she was H I'm like, Oh, it's just some guy or whatever doing it. And I'm like, wait, what? And then when they went back into the world, I'm like, Oh yeah, I hear it now. I hear her, you know, with the modulated to be a guy voice in there. Um, but yeah, and again, as we said, you know, ask women, obviously I feel like it's a strong character. You know, she's a strong female character in there. Um, Sorrento is a great villain. TJ Miller's in here. Um, eh, he's in here as a, you know, he's a minion in here. Um, Sorrento as the bad guy. So great. Um, you know, there's even a little moment in here where he's got, um, where Sorrento, the leader of IOI who wants to get the Easter egg so that he now owns gregarious games, um, with, you know, until he, he owns all the internet and all that stuff. Um, he's such a brilliant villain. Like I, you, you just can't help but hate him. And I honestly, I have to give it to the actor who played him. Like he played, played him so well. Um, Ben Mendelsohn as Sorrento. He's so, so lovable, but hateable at the same time. Um, but yeah, that's it. I mean, it's out in theaters right now. Um, Star Wars Last Jedi is out on Blu-ray and DVD or 4K Blu-ray, uh, 4K Blu-ray. Um, if you got the 4K Blu-ray player or digital, you can find that out, you know, at retail stores now. Um, and the keys I got at Target for $10. <laughs> and that is going to do it for the else views. And we'll be right back with the else words. And we are back and it is time for the else words. This is the portion of the show where we talk about the main topic thing. And this is all about the Cannes Film Festival. Like and it's also weirdly enough tied to tied to Ready Player One because I think Steven Spielberg came out and said that he doesn't think Netflix movies should be eligible for the Cannes Film Festival. I I don't know if it was the Cannes Film Festival or awards that are meant for films. So back up. Uh, the the Cannes Film Festival decided that it would not air movies that are not played in theaters. Uh, which Netflix has some movies that they put in theaters, mostly, I think, for Oscar consideration. Yeah. And some that they don't. And what Netflix has decided is to take a stand and not go to Cannes this year because they feel that their movies should qualify the same as any other movie. 
And there are others who have made statements like Steven Spielberg, who says that Netflix films shouldn't be eligible for Oscars uh, because the Oscars is an institution about seeing movies in theaters. And it's kind of a old man argument, uh, screaming clouds, which I do all the time on the show uh, <laughs> of, of I'm I'm beholden to things the way that they are. I don't think these changes are good. And so I'm going to speak out against them and say, hey, we have this tradition and history and things have always been done this way and uh, drink from that water fountain over there. I'm not trying to say that Steven Spielberg is is being racially discriminate with this. I'm just saying what an asshole mindset. Yeah, <laughs> because I make movies that are in theaters and therefore I'm good at this. And you guys don't make movies for theaters. So you're bad at this and you shouldn't be celebrated by this and i should because i'm still here making movies even though they're all shit uh see gregor's review of ready player one five minutes ago <laughs> segment uh yeah. and and beats pointing out that's not what he's saying at all i'm not really saying that he is i'm not fucking being facetious so, so the the big part here honestly though is that that um can and i'm looking at their rules and a lot of them make sense you know uh, the first rule is that films that have been produced during the 12 months preceding the festival are allowed in, you know, duh, you know, we're not going to, you know, bring out a movie that, you know, that, that, uh, Neil Blomkamp made when he was 12 or Steven Spielberg made when he was 12, you know, on a super eight, you know, millimeter camera and all that now for this. Well, no, we're not going to do that. Um, Why? For, for a film festival now, it sort of makes sense in that regard. Like, you wouldn't do something old for now. You know, you want to Why? have it... It's, here's here's my here's my point. So you have a film... Uh, let's go back a, a few years. Film like uh, Boyhood. Mm -hmm. Now, Boyhood was filmed over a number of years. It was a, an experimentation of filmmaking. Sure, the, the project wasn't done until this year, uh, but there are plenty of films that don't get released for years after they are completed. Yeah, uh, they get shelved. They get put out later on. And what if one of those things takes off? Is it because that it was made in 2016 but not released until 2018 that should disqualify it? No, it's a pretty it's... arbitrary thing. If if Spielberg finds some magic footage, or fuck, what if they put out the day the clown cried? And uh, unbeknownst to all of us who've heard these rumors about it for for decades now, it turned out to be a fucking masterpiece, like the way that uh, he always thought it was going to be. And and suddenly it's like, holy shit, you got to see this fucking Nazi clown movie, <laughs> uh, which Taika Waititi is doing instead. But what if that actually happened? D should that movie then be disqualified because it's set in a vault for years because the audience wasn't prepared for it or the producers weren't willing to put it out and be brave enough to do it? Or or does it get to be stacked up the same thing as everything else? It's like it's here now, motherfucker. Yeah, uh, I wrote um, Ready Player One in 2014. I didn't, uh, but whatever. And and then the movie just got made. So, but it doesn't count because it was 2014. You you dick. No, no, you should have no, jumped no. on that shit. I, I just what? I want to understand why the rules are the rules, and if they're across the board fair or if they're just bullshit put in place for some stodgy old fuck in an academy room who's like, nah, I like it this way. And, well, and this, just, but this. No, no, hold on, hold on. Because this first rule, you're you're jumping down the throat for the first rule. 
this one makes the sense. Now there would be exceptions because of like, for example, boyhood, you know, you gave that where but it was filmed that be an exception. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, where, yeah, it was filmed over the course of 12 years and stuff like that. It's like, I, I could see that being an exception with it because of what it was accomplishing there where it's, it would be because different. because someone arbitrarily decided, oh well, the rules don't quite count in this case. It's a special exception, well, so, and, so and that's what well, I mean. Let's... Rules that are so arbitrary are just bullshit. Well, in that case, all rules are bullshit because they're all arbitrary. Yes, anarchy, motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, come on, let's let's let's, let's start acting like Nate here and just call for anarchy. <laughs> well, I, I am gonna say that in the case of this, we're talking about. What qualifies as art? Yeah. What qualifies as a film? Uh, if we're if we're looking at TV shows, what qualifies as a TV show? Do Netflix shows have to be changed from being called television shows because they're not actually aired over a television signal? Although mm -hmm. most TV isn't aired over a television signal anymore because a lot of that shit went away when we went digital. Yeah. Uh, so no. does nothing on ABC or CBS count as a television show? Yeah. Since it's now an HD programming, it comes over an HD antenna. Now, again, somewhere I'm, I'm in point in time, the the rules stayed the same when the mediums changed. Mm -hmm. And so, does a movie still qualify as a movie because it didn't play in a theater? I don't know. I don't know why that's a rule. When shouldn't a movie matter when it touches people's hearts and minds and souls? Shouldn't a movie be qualified by the fact that people actually watched it? How many fucking people sit and watch the 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 troll fucking movie on Netflix with Will Smith in it, whether or not they liked it? More people watch that shit, or they watch the immediacy of the new uh, Cloverdale after the fucking Super Bowl, than go out to see most Academy Award winning best pictures or best picture nominations. More people no, will no, sit and watch this no. shit on Netflix. So now, why is why is one more valued than the other? Now you're you're hitting at something completely different. You're hitting at film festivals in general. Yes, because they're, they're because they're well. There you can think about it though. There needs to be some different things because I mean, certain movies aren't going to do good at a South by Southwest film festival than would at a you know at a Toronto International Film Festival. Or but not a, doing good or, does not mean not allowed to be there. No, no, and and uh, but. What I'm trying to get at, because again, you're striking down at, at the first rule here. There's six other ones. Yeah, and, let me get at those. And and well, you can read through and you can just start going through it. But but like I'm saying, so that one it it does make sense to me. Rule number one makes sense to me, like of something that's being produced over a year. Now there would be some exceptions, but it's it's more like I look at it like they're looking at it in this regard of you have a movie that's about six characters, and you. You get going and oh well we have to recast one character but we don't want to redo it um we, we don't want to we don't want to lose everything that we've filmed so it's now three years later and you have you know 18 people playing these six characters that would get excluded you know more than like it would get excluded um now this is another one that it makes perfect sense for me films because this is has been a canned rule forever films that have not been released anywhere other than their country of origin um, there's a side note of of other of of another rule with this where it's can has to be the first uh, festival that they release to. Those two make sense. 
because it's more for the judging. Because if you have a movie that's been released, you know, elsewhere and was at, you know, for example, TIFF, which is another big film festival, you know, the Toronto International Film Festival, then that would influence the judges here or even the Sundance Film Festival, um, you know, in uh, I think it's in Utah or Colorado. Um, you know, that would influence a lot of the judges here at Cannes. And it's more of a we want to be completely clean of, you know, these movies to where we can judge them based on their art and all that. Where you get into some trickier ones where I could see you jumping in on is um, films that have not been exhibited on the internet. That's the Netflix rule right there. And all that where, I mean, them much like Amazon, like, but Amazon more so, Amazon is playing, you know, trying to play nice with the movie theaters where, you know, with like Manchester by the Sea and the Big Sick where they let, they had them run in the theaters. Like it wasn't until DVD release that, or I think even Moonlight was a Netflix show too, um, where they got into to DVD release here in America that they then ended up on Amazon Prime um, and stuff like that. The other one that seems a little weird, but I get it, but still seems weird because it seems like the Oscars go longer with theirs um, is rule six. If participating in the quote unquote short film category, films that do, uh, that do not exceed 15, basically you can't go over 15 minutes in length, including the credits. That part makes sense, but I would then go, well, why 15? Why not? you know, 30 or something like that. But, you know, it's, it's like, I get the whole point with all the rules. I mean, it's definitely a why. Um, and I feel like we're going to, I feel like we're going to hit something here with, you know, with Netflix pulling out, just saying, no, we're not going to do a can. That's going to be a lot of notoriety that people look at, you know, like um, you look at um, Brian Ibbett over at, uh, over at the morning stream, where he's he's one of those guys that for the Oscars he watches he tries to watch every single movie that is nominated for the Oscars so that he goes in there and goes no I don't think that movie should have won I think this this one should have you know including right. the documentaries a professional reviewer is is not not what we're doing obviously no uh, no we're just two horse shit and, and I I appreciate that uh, movie go round that uh, Brett and Nicole uh, do. I forget the name of the co-host. I'm so sorry. Uh, is a great show because I think that they take things far more seriously than say what Matt and I do on pot. Um, yeah. and, and I appreciate both different sides of it. And sometimes just people hanging out talking about if they liked a movie or not. And and that's, that's what we do. I, I do think that it's, it's funny when you see things like the golden globes nominating get out as a comedy even though it's not a, a comedy, but that's what they wanted to put it in as a category because they, I don't know why it sometimes these things are just the rules don't make sense or they only make sense when they feel like sticking to them. And then other times they don't when Linda hunt won best actress for the year of living dangerously, but she was playing a male character legitimately. She's an actress, but she could have been nominated for best actor. It, it really mm -hmm. is a moment of, of a gray area where we'll choose how we want to choose. My point is what it shows is that this, this lesson of, oh, if you want to get in a can, you have to be this. If you want to get in the Oscars, you have to do this. It's a very old fashioned way of thinking. And while there's something to be said for tradition, there's also something to be said for knowing where the audience is headed now. 
And does it make the Oscars or Cannes Film Festival or any number of other things less valuable to the current audience of today? People already aren't watching the Oscars in the ways that they used to. They're not yeah. fascinated with Hollywood in the same way that they used to be. They're as fascinated with fucking reality TV stars as they are actual movie stars. The the glamour isn't there. It's more of the rumors and stuff that people are are into, the, the paparazzi schemes. So the the whole outlook has changed on these things and it just feels very weird to me and so is it better is it better to create a new oscars that is inclusive of these things that doesn't have these old stigmas or rules and would it make it more enjoyable to watch if they updated these things instead of having the academy and we already know the academy is mostly bullshit mm -hmm. because a lot of the times people don't even watch the films they yeah. they watch the ones that they're interested in and they skip over the other ones so they they're making a rating based off of this is just what I wanted to see, mm -hmm. which I would expect that from a review show like this. We're not saying we're watching every goddamn movie. We're not saying we're super Hollywood based or whatever. We're, we're just we're watching stuff that we're interested in. But when you're talking about Oscars and you're in charge of looking at the nominations and saying with all fairness, you can have your, your bias of I like this kind of movie over this kind of movie. But if you don't even watch the movie, you're not even fairly judging it. Yeah. Uh, so the idea of what these things do, are they are they so out of touch that they don't matter? And and yeah. when I hear stuff like this, it makes me think even more that they don't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have an interest. I Not that I ever really did, but I don't have an interest in Cannes Film Festival if they can't even present the idea of why it's important to be in a theater other than the fact that that's just how it's always been. I don't, I don't get it. I yeah. just don't get it. And and when well, yeah. you see quality content, and I'm not saying that that fucking bright movie with Will Smith and the Trolls was, I didn't hate it. Uh, but when it's you see quality content hitting these things like Amazon and Netflix or HBO or whatever, and I'm sure HBO had to go through these growing pains too of when they were doing shows that were originals and not showing up on the Emmys and stuff for a while. And it, it took a while because, well, that's a pay TV station. It's not it's not broadcast TV. It's not stuff that everybody can see. You have to pay to get in there. It's got a, it's got a gatekeeper. So we don't count that. That that's probably true that that happened then too. I just I'm more excited for what happens when it opens up mm -hmm. than I am to see it closed off because then I'll know that they're at least choosing from everything, as opposed to choosing from a very small vat of stuff as to what is truly the best film or the best director or whatever. So we're we're just so you guys know we're we're getting this from the variety.com article where in there they they mention Thierry Frimo the I'm just trying they tried my best on that name the artistic director of Cannes and Variety asked Ted Sarandos the uh, Netflix CEO um are you deciding to or not to participate in Cannes this year or in, in the Cannes Film Festival and he said well it's not our decision to make uh, Thierry announced the change in their qualification rules that requires a film to have distribution in France to get in, which is completely contrary. This is where we're, we're getting to the meat of this, of why film film festivals even matter, um, which is completely contrary to the spirit of any film festival in the world. Film festivals are to help films get discovered so that they can get distribution. Under those rules, you cannot release our films day and date to the world like, like we've released nearly 100 films over the last couple of years. So even besides that, when you look at that, like there's going to be a lot of films to where I think I think they're going to back down. I think the Cannes Film Festival is going to back down and 
you know, within probably 10 years, they're going to do it because if, of the if fact that, that long. Yeah. I mean, because, it, I mean, the reason why this was done is that the French theater owners and unions protested the inclusion of the films mm -hmm. uh, to the director of Cannes. Uh, because there's a law in the country that requires movies to not appear in home platforms for 36 months after the theatrical release, which yeah. is three years. There's a law in France to not have movies shown for the home for three years after they're released in the theater. So that's already just wackadoo with how people consume content these days. And 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 you know what? I'm I'm gonna point fingers, France. You know, if the the day the clown cried, Jerry Lewis, your fucking favorite, weirdos. Uh, if if that thing came out three years after the fucking fifty that you've waited to see it in the first place, if it if you didn't see it in the theater, you keep waiting, keep hoping. It's a long train ride for those kids. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, and it was. No, but I mean, it's honestly, it's like you look at this and there's the interviews all in there. It's one of those things that a lot of the film festivals, they're where you see the movies, like, like, like a lot of the Fox Searchlight movies, you know, they're, they're probably were found on, like we talked about them last week, where they were probably found on, you know, at Sundance, you know, at various film festivals, you know, a lot of these movies, it's, it's where they get found because it's how you get exposure as a young director is you, you, you know, you make a short film and go there. Now it's, it does change with, you know, with the internet and stuff, but even then it's, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things like if you're trying to play to the old fogies, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep doing the young man's game or are you going to do play by the old fogies rule? It's well, they're playing by the, the theater's rule, which is they're, which they're is the old fogies. support the theaters. Uh, although get movie pass that that's, that's what I mean, though, is that what the theaters are doing to Cannes is they're making Cannes less relevant yeah. in today's audience, which is going yeah. to make the theaters less relevant already. And Cannes is going to lose favor. And then another thing is going to open up and it's going to be the hot new ticket. And people will go to that festival instead. Or they'll watch the festival at home on their fucking Roku, as you mm -hmm. do. Yeah. I just... That's that's the problem is it's it's like anything else is that technology gets us someplace where we're advancing, we're moving forward, and then somebody pops up and says, well, I don't like this. <laughs> Why don't you? Well, because it's different. Yeah. You know, sometimes different is good. Uh, remember when doctors didn't wash their hands and then they would treat you and you get all these great infections because uh, soap wasn't involved. <laughs> and somebody said, oh, shit. Washing our hands improves things greatly. Let's do that. I'm sure some asshole popped up like, I don't want to wash my hands. I just want to operate clean dirt. It, it just, ah, Man, I'm just going to take a crap right on your insides. Some asshole is not who you should be listening to. Move along, man. Corey, Corey, we're some assholes. Don't tell them not I, to listen to us. I tell people all the time not to listen to me. <laughs> but no, yeah, honestly, I mean, I don't know. There's not much more that could be said that it's just not, you know, <laughs> us repeating ourselves over and over again. So I will repeat how I normally end the show. And, you know, that's going to do it for us. And real quick, you can uh, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at elsnerds.com. And 
all of these subscription options can and links can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. And, you know, go to the Facebook page of facebook.com slash galactic netcasts for all the shows um, that are on the network. You'll see the posts of when they are live on whether it be the alien invasion or, you know, Elsner's or, po- or podcast with terror or uh, what double jump, I believe is another um, show that's out there. And then the uh, Jedi archives and Hunu and review, um, you know, when there's more news with that and you know, go there. It's going to be the easiest way to find it. Um, and you can follow, you know, it's also else nerds. We post some stuff there. Um, we're trying to get better at it, honestly. Um, you know, it's also where you can find us on Twitter at else nerds at galactic netcast. Um, our producers Beatmasters at beatmaster 80. I'm at that Gregor. You can see my last tweet where I posted a Sunday about, Kevin Dunn, the producer, fucking up and giving AJ Styles, saying he was the Universal Champion. I tweeted that out to a guy who does a YouTube thing. But, and you can find that over at that Gregor, and my Twitch at twitch.tv slash at, or slash that Gregor, and Corey, what is the Stafu cast? Oh, well, first of all, I'd like to thank the Academy uh, <laughs> for their consideration of the show, and uh, the second of all, yeah, you know what, man, uh, it was a rough week. So yeah. unfortunately, if you are a person who listened last week and I mentioned the the other podcast I'm doing, uh, Solutions to Fix the Universe at sdfucast.com, it, it didn't happen. And I'm, I'm sorry for that. Nobody likes to to miss a week of their show, especially their, their second official episode. Uh, and I could I could lay blame at some other people's feet, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say, look, man, we're, we're going to come back. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to make it right. We're going to make it right. And, and that's what that show is about. Than ever. No, we're still going to be just as shitty. Yeah. Uh, but we're we're going to be right in our shit. And uh, if you want to listen to the previous episodes uh, that we've done, our, our beta episode and the official uh, first episode, and you haven't yet, uh, or if you want to re-listen and just go, really? someone thinks this way uh, wow and they put it out in the air it's amazing yeah uh, i just can't believe it and tj miller's getting shit uh you can go to stfucast.com another place you can find uh more of me ranting about stuff uh but more trying to keep my friend matt's brain in check uh, you can you can look up gncast.com slash pot we talk about horror movies same thing not legitimate reviews just a couple of guys talking about the stuff we like the stuff we maybe find uh wasn't up to our snuff but could be up to yours and it could help give you a little bit discovery of uh the the horror films that are out there available and sometimes we have really cool guests which we've got a couple coming up so check that out gncast.com slash pot that's right and of course um there's always sean burns who gets the eternal plug here of esper of at esperance pa um we seriously need to get to get a hold of him because you know the weather is getting nicer and we need to get him on, you know, if he's going to be doing the, are we, are we going to have the summer of Sean? Actually, that's what we should call it. Summer of Sean. Hey, I like that. Um, the final thing to be said is this has been a don't tell Glenn production. We will see you next week or else.
more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.